Good afternoon. Welcome to Tuesday afternoon with Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Hello. It's a lovely March day. Ah, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. You're upset no, at the weather no, that's no, outside. Just, it is what it is. Let's not talk about the weather today. That was my uh, only editorial comment on the weather for, for today. Okay, I promise. Very good. Just had to get it off your chest. I did, indeed. And now you, we can move on. How are things with you, buddy? Uh, things are okay. We, uh, We've had we an unusual some... work day around here today. Yes, we had some some training. We had to get some, just to take you behind the curtain as we want to do from time to time, we had some training on a new website. We're revamping our website and there's, you know, we have to learn how to use it. So it took up a few hours of our day. So we're a little bamboozled at the time, at the moment, discombobulated a touch. I would say in the corporate world, there's one thing that's hated above all other things Maybe only second to getting emails after hours, and that's meetings. <laughs> in the corporate world, a lot of people don't see value in a lot of the meetings that they're obligated to go to. I would have to say this one was about four and a half out of five. Yeah, it was certainly necessary, very helpful, and we don't want to make it sound like it's a complaint. It just, you know, it's a, it's funny how quickly you get used to a routine, and when there is a change that is made to the routine, how it can just kind of trip you up for the rest of the day. So, but moving forward. I got something for you. Oh. It ties in. You see, you always call me the king of segues. Yes. I found a way to segue this into our next conversation. As the morning sun peeks through, work is already emailing you. <laughs> it's 8 a.m. and they got your soul. You're stuck in a morning work black hole. And if you don't respond quick, the promotion goes to Nick. And he's a sucker. When your morning is hell, just go to Taco Bell. When you've had a morning, let us make you breakfast. Like the grilled breakfast burrito for just $1. Only at Taco Bell. I don't know what's more concerning, the fact that Taco Bell is making breakfast or that their commercials are inspiring in some fashion. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I, I have not had the grilled breakfast burrito, but I have had many a breakfast burrito at McDonald's. And they're just fine. Maybe my stomach would disagree, but I don't know. Taco Bell and breakfast. Yeah, Who why knew? not? Well, they're stepping up things on another front in Canada as it pertains to Taco Bell. We'll tell you about that in just a second. But have you been to Las Vegas recently? When was the last time you were there? Uh, I want to say five years. Oh, so then this place wasn't open yet. On the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and Harmon, there's a new sheriff in town offering late night eats for the average Las Vegas party goer. Yeah, we're here today because we were very excited to open our 7,000th restaurant uh, and our first flagship restaurant here on the Las Vegas Strip. Now you may be thinking, Taco Bell, I've been there before. I know what they offer, but this one, believe me, it's a little bit different. Um, we also have uh, different freeze options and alcohol options that are unique to the cantinas. You heard that right. This Taco Bell offers alcohol. Eight different freeze flavors with five different shot options and beer to accompany your favorite Taco Bell menu options. It also offers appetizer-style dishes and Taco Bell merchandise to purchase. The grand opening of the restaurant is Monday at 10 p.m. and is considered the flagship restaurant. Yeah, when you think of flagship, we think of everything that you love about the brand uh, put together in one place. So. Uh, the experience that you'll he have here will be unlike anywhere else in the country. Everything that's, that you love about the brand is really all compacted into one beautiful place. That's a report from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And that location is already open. Alcohol at Taco Bell. 
But here's the word, Brett. Huh. You don't have to go to Las Vegas anymore. Oh? For alcohol at Taco Bell. Here's the story out of Toronto. Taco Bell customers will be able to grab beer with their tacos and burritos at some Canadian stores starting this June. The Mexican-style food chain says it's Mexican-style. That's funny. Fast food chain says its flagship Toronto location on Queen Street West will be the first store to serve a selection of beer. Additional stores are expected to follow, and the beverage list could expand beyond just suds. The company says it's making the move as part of its aim to reinvent how customers dine in their restaurants. American customers have been able to purchase beer, wine, and other alcoholic beverages at some Taco Bell locations since 2015. I remember I worked at the very first Taco Bell in Winnipeg at 1536 Regent, as I've mentioned before, and I seem to recall that they were getting ready to introduce a beverage called Zima. I don't know if you remember this, Greg. It's a clear bottle with a blue label. Yeah. And because I seem to remember getting these badges that had lights on them and stuff, but it never happened. And I think it never happened because Zima is an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> yes, it is. So, yeah, I remember there being a hype about it, and then it just sort of disappeared. So I don't know entirely what happened. Maybe if you happened to also work in Taco Bell in the early 1990s, early to mid-1990s, and know what happened there, feel free to drop me an email, brett at cjob.com. You know, no. I was 15 at the time, so I wasn't, I wasn't aware of all of the... The alcohol things. Maybe part of why alcohol's taken a while to get into fast food restaurants is not only the culture, but also the fact that you need to be 18 or old, older to, to serve alcohol. And, oh. and maybe 17. There is a little bit of a caveat. I think you can be in some situations below or under 18 to serve alcohol, but that's part of, probably part of the challenge is having people on staff old enough to, to serve it. So we're going to see it. Uh, is everything made better with alcohol? Because I have to tell you, <laughs> I was startled when we went to Disneyland three years ago <laughs> to find out that you could buy beer at Disneyland. It never even would have crossed my mind to seek it out. Okay, It wasn't anything that I was wondering about. I wasn't anticipating. Boy, I sure hope I can get a beer at Disneyland today. Yep. And then uh, was getting another type of concession. And sure enough, beer was an option. <laughs> like you can get beer just about anywhere in America. Yeah. Is everything better with beer? Are there some places that you like that are just, you know, no, we don't need we don't need beer. We've got movie theater in Winnipeg now where you can have beer and wine. You know what? I went to a place on in Osborne Village. It's on Stradbrook. And it's uh, at the time it was called Unburger. It's now they've since changed the name to New Burger. And I went in there, and be, beer was an, an option, option for a beverage. Huh? I thought, oh, a beer would be nice. And then I saw that they had Coca-Cola in those big glass bottles, which you can't, as far as I know, you can't purchase the big glass bottles. You can buy, like, the little six-packs that come right. with the little tiny glass bottles. But the big one, I thought, so I, I saw that. I got excited, and I said, no, 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 give me a Coke instead. So in that case, the beer, I... I you forewent the beer. I... Went with the Coke instead of the beer. So, okay, now this <laughs> this is why we do this. So there are certain beverages I find that taste different depending on the form that you drink them. Like, I like Pepsi in a can. Okay. Not a big fan of Pepsi on fountain. I'm okay with Coke in a fountain, and I love Coke in a bottle. 
I dislike both beverages out of the plastic bottle, whether it's a two liter or one of those individual serving bottles. I won't drink it now, out of a plastic bottle. So what happens if you pour the Coke out of the, bo- the plastic bottle it's into a glass? It's still the same. It's yeah. still something's just not right about it. No, that's fair because there there is, I don't know if it's a texture thing or if it does actually affect the taste. I'm not, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me. It, generally speaking, but I there are certain beers, for example, I'd much rather drink it out of a bottle than out of a can, or there are some that I simply can't drink it out of a bottle or a can. I have to pour, pour it, it in the glass. Yeah, I have to pour it. Uh, I went to a restaurant the other day, actually, and they brought, I had a Sleeman, a Sleeman Honey Brown, mm. and they bought it, they brought it over to me just with a bottle and no glass, which is fine. I thought it was weird that the offer wasn't made to, yeah, do, you want a, do you want a glass for that? Frosty glass. Um, so I tried. I tried to drink it out of the bottle, but it just, it I like the beer to be able to breathe. Got to pour it out, let it breathe. And milk, got to be in a glass glass. Can't be in a plastic cup. Okay. Don't like milk in a coffee cup. Got to be in a glass glass. Okay. Maybe I'm just neurotic and I'm, I'm just discovering this as I speak out loud. What if you, do you ever just take the four liter jug out of the fridge and stand there with the fridge open while you <laughs> just chug it out of the bottle? Joey style? Yeah. Just, No. No, that wouldn't go over in my house. Two-liter carton, used to drink out of the two-liter carton all the time. The four-liter jug, not so much. So, I don't know, this is uh, one of those segments where you just never know exactly where they're going and why we're going down a certain path. Taco Bell, to (laughs) recap, (laughs) got to be serving beer. What We got a clever text, didn't we? Darren says, okay, you guys are making this too easy. Your show is better with alcohol. Uh just kidding. Love your show. One of the best highlights of the day. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> I, I wasn't really trying to go there, but we may have to try that one day. I wonder if we. I wonder if we could get approval for that. Well, we sort of did when, yeah, when the but, torque guys yeah, came but in. Just sip here and there. That's one thing. Okay. Anyway, I, well, I think this. I think what Darren was was implying was that he needs alcohol to get through our show. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, see, I didn't get it that way. Yeah, that's All why right. he said, "Just kidding." <laughs> why do we? Uh, why do we take a pause? We'll update you on the uh, oh so wonderful weather forecast. Hashtag sarcasm, and uh, also we'll, we'll talk about one other thing that I did that I'd never done before. I did it the other night, and I think it was a very worthwhile exercise for a movie. A lot of people are looking forward to. Did I hook that well enough, Brett? Works for me. Your forecast is up next. I was asking if you had that clip from that amazing movie that I cannot wait to see when it comes out May the 5th. Oh, yes. And I understand you're going to see it May the 3rd? Correct. I don't like you anymore. (laughs) But you get to see it first. Who do you think you are, a couch potato or something? Yes. Oh, One of the couch potatoes. lucky devil. Sometimes we get uh, the odd perk here and there from being the couch potatoes. So uh, maybe next time we'll take you. I have a standing arrangement with my buddy Mike, who's listening right now. Well, by the way, Mike, uh, he works at the White Top, uh, the burger joint best in Northern. Burger. Just recently crowned best burger in Winnipeg. Congratulations right on, to Mike and the White Top. Uh, but yeah, he, I have a standing arrangement with Mike that if I get invites to films, he's the he's my That's first. Okay. That's okay. Person I ask. Our uh, budding bromance uh, may take us to to get a burger at Mike's place uh, one of these days soon, I think. He, I think we have a standing invitation, actually, with him. So Congratulations, Mike. That's uh, that's that's a big deal, man. Yeah, that's huge. So, so so did you manage to find a clip? I have a clip. This is, we're talking, well, here, we'll just play the clip and the you clip. can figure out what it is. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. 
because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I am Groot. No! Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Why are they calling it Volume 2? They're calling it Volume 2 because of the mixtape that his mom made. Volume 1 and Volume 2, which he unearths at the end of the film. He gets Volume 2, the new mixtape. So that's why. Because the soundtrack, I think, is one of the reasons why the film was such a success. Just sort of either reintroducing people to old familiar tunes or introducing it to young people who maybe had no idea these songs even existed. So I think that's one of the reasons why uh, that one did well. And I think that this one's going to do well. I I watch that trailer. I get hyped up to see the movie because of the music. Yeah. So I'm like falling for this hook, line, and sinker. They have got me. And I did something I've never done before. Okay. I actually went online and purchased tickets online. You've never for done a that? movie two weeks in advance. No, I've never done that before. So is it that you've never bought tickets online or that you've never bought advanced tickets online? Neither. Oh. Okay. Normally, I just like, you know, whatever. I'm going to go see a movie. Uh, just like the good old days and just go to the theater, purchase my tickets and, and go. Yeah. Been shut out a couple times. And so I probably should have learned my lesson by now. <laughs> but the idea of going and reserving tickets a couple weeks in advance for a hockey game or a football game, of course. Yep. But I'm finally warmed up to this idea. And of course, you get to pick your seats, which you get to do at Grant Park all the time anyway. Yeah. But you get to pick your seats uh, online for this particular movie. And then there's all these different options now, like 3D, non-3D, maybe this one is only in 3D, but they've got the different seats now, that the ones that shake and all these different <laughs> options. Like you can pay, D-box. I think up to, uh, what is it called? The D-Box. I think that's like 1950 per ticket for that one for an adult. I went to see Iron Man 3 in the D-Box theater and it was 3D. So you're you're paying for your regular movie ticket and then you, you have to pay a premium for 3D and then you have to pay a premium for the D-Box. So it, my ticket ended up costing me thirty dollars in it. No, I, I think it. No, not quite thirty. I think it was thirty. What was it now? I'll have, have to double check. Something I, for Mike. Two, I think I went with my friend Mike. Okay, because I think it was nineteen fifty, and so I backed off of the D box maybe because that one might have been sold out. I needed three tickets and was only letting me buy two, so maybe it was already sold out. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was nine. I think it was twenty dollars for the. And because I, I remember thinking, "Wow!" And that was was it worth it for that movie? No. And here's why: because the the seat that moves and rumbles, it's actually pretty cool. I think it would be great in a movie with lots of cars, like a Fast and Furious kind okay. of movie, or anything where it involves. The, Something that's actually moving. Whereas in Iron Man 3, it was just a lot of like the seat would rumble and stuff. But it, it, does, it can tilt a little bit and move you back and forth. So I think in a, in a film where the, the main characters are in vehicles of some sort, I think it would be really cool. But it didn't do enough for me to ever compel me to go back to a D-Box theater. Probably because the screen was no bigger. 
And I, I think if they were to upgrade the screen, and maybe they've done it because it's been a number of years now since Iron Man 3 came out. So, uh, But if the screen's been upgraded, I might give it another shot. Uh, shoot us a text if you've done this D-Box uh, movie theater thing. We'd be curious to know if it's worth the extra money or not. And by the way, by the way Sheila, trying to combine words as I like to do, uh, says she's in Morden. That's where the sun is shining so gloriously. This afternoon, she's listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680C JOB. Thank you for listening, Sheila. Thanks for the uh, weather tip and update from Morden. Maybe that sunshine is coming our way. I won't hold my breath. Just got a text here from Les who says, Did you know that you can't buy a taco at 1536 Regent anymore, but you can cash your check? It is now a credit union. LOL. Lol. Yes, Les, I know. I'm quite sad about this. I've lamented this fact many times before. It's now a credit union. The original Taco Bell in Winnipeg is gone. I went there on a, the last day because I still knew people who worked there, not from the day it opened, but over the years I knew sure. various generations of employees at Taco Bell, and I was alerted to the fact that it was the last day. So we raced down there to have the last supper. Well, and Harry Cross, I've told you this off air. Harry Crossan and I, my my buddy back in uh, in the Chi-Chi's days, we would drive all the way across the city to go to that Taco Bell because it was the best service, it was the cleanest lobby, et cetera, et cetera. So you probably served me a couple times. Hey, we need to get serious on the other side of news. 450 jobs being cut at a Winnipeg institution, Great West Life. Uh, that news coming out uh, this morning. In addition to 900 jobs at Manitoba Hydro, are you concerned about the future of your employment? And is this a sign of things to come in your mind? And is it making you uneasy about future financial decisions like buying a home or otherwise? Are you a little bit nervous with the news of the last few weeks, including today, 450 jobs going away at Great West Life? Would love to hear from you, your first reactions to that news at 780-6868 when we return. Brett McGarry and Greg Mackling with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Dark clouds over Winnipeg, although uh, Jim says there's sun in North Kildonan. So maybe it is on its way. Uh, This dark cloud, uh, figurative and literal, over Winnipeg today. Great Westlife announcing that they'll be doing some major job cuts over the next two years. The Winnipeg-based company cited changing technology and customer expectations as the reason behind the decision. Great Westlife CEO Paul Mayon says that it's part of larger call across the country. We're reducing our workforce by approximately 1,500 positions or 13% of our 12,000 positions in Canada. Turns into about 450 jobs here in Winnipeg. Some employees will be offered a severance, while others will have what Mayon called voluntary early retirements. The financial giant is expected to lose about $127 million, or $0.13 cents per share, in this year's second quarter. They hope to cut costs by about $200 million by the end of March of 2019. First 1,000 job cuts will happen this year, with the remaining 500 to follow in 2018 and 19. So, my first reaction is, oh, I know so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so that work at Great West Life. Brett, you must know people that work at Great West Life. Yeah, I know uh, two people who I, whom I consider to be good friends, and I texted them both immediately when I found out. And and both of them, they're they're in the dark. They don't know what's happening, so they can't tell me with any sort of definition if their job is going to be affected or not. It's hard to imagine that anybody in our city, anybody listening right now, doesn't know someone. 
that works at Great West Life. They employ so many people here in our community. And it just got me wondering with these 900 layoffs at, at Hydro, and doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on or your feelings about crown corporations, 900 jobs and a lot, a lot of those well-paying jobs are disappearing and now 450 other jobs in our city. That That's a ton of good paying jobs, really head office jobs uh, here in Winnipeg. And does it have you concerned? Does it have you bothered? Does it actually cast a dark cloud uh, over the economic future of our province? And of course, the discussions continue. Uh, the nurses union has said that they're concerned uh, that, you know, jobs may be affected uh, in uh, health care. So does this kind of news... Um, does it cast a pall and does it is it a negative thing uh, overall for the community? I I have to say yes in in my opinion. I mean when you're immediately thinking of really good friends and texting them uh, that's a big deal in my mind. I am going to say this about Great West Life and and this is I don't know what the culture is like there, but uh, like I said I used to know a lot of people who worked at Great West Life. And there was a lot of fooling around that went in that company, at least from at least from the young people who weren't there. They, there was a lot of time being wasted, and I always wondered. I always used to joke with them, like, "Man, you guys have a, you guys haven't made the shade of Great West Life. You don't have to do anything because they they would do go to work and do nothing all Interesting. day." And that's now that that's. I'm not saying that that is every single Great West Life employee. And again, we're talking about like 22 year old kids. This is how old we were when this happened. But I wonder if that kind of culture still exists there. If there are still younger employees who are goofing off, doing nothing, and getting paid, I mean, relatively well for a 22, 23-year-old person. So it actually surprises me to that it's taken this long to hear about job cuts or restructuring hmm. in that company because I've always kind of thought they have real productivity issues that they need to deal with. That was just from the outside looking in. Yeah. It was just as a guy who had new people who worked within the company, and I knew that there was a lot of goofing off. And part of the reason I knew this is because I was getting emails from them all day <laughs> or text messages or whatever it was. Uh, now, conversely, I was participating in these emails, so that means that I, too, was goofing <laughs> off. <laughs> I've, we've since that the activity has long since come to an end, but... That's and I, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm declaring war on Great West Life. We're all Great West Life employees. I'm looking at an experience from my life right. many years ago involving people who were young employees in the company. But I always just thought they need to get a hold of that. They need to there needs to be a, a way to to increase that productivity, or maybe jobs will be lost. Well, you know, it's an interesting uh, way of looking at things. I I don't have a an experience like that to to suggest the people that I know that work there work really hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're in management positions. They work weekends. They work evenings. Uh, very, very hardworking people. So uh, be and interesting. They, like I said, I know two people and they like, they both work super hard. They, I, I don't even know what one of them does. He's told me, he's told me what he does <laughs> a Chandler couple of Bing times. sort of it's uh, a, job description. Yeah, he's a transponster, I think. He's a transponster. <laughs> But I know he works hard. He's told me about it, and it sounds like it's a stressful position. He it has to do with client relations, I think. And another guy is an underwriter, and and uh, he the things he, that he needs to know. So 
very, I'm not, again, I want to make sure, absolutely clear, lots of respect for mm -hmm. people who work hard, but I just used to think, man, you guys get away with murder. I hadn't even thought about it until just now. The idea, Bell has just bought, and that deal has just closed buying MTS. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been kind of nervous over there. I know some folks that work over in that building over near Portage in Maine and a lot of concern about the future of positions there. So uh, with Donald Trump saber rattling now with regard to dairy and now softwood yep. lumber, the um, imposition of this 20% tariff that came in essentially overnight uh, there has to be some concerns long-term for the economy and just wanted to get feedback. Just one of those coffee shop conversations, your first reaction yeah. to the news of these layoffs at Great West Life. Uh, no big breaking story in terms of revelations. Just wanted to get your, your real reaction on this and if it has you concerned somewhat. Dean says, yes, of course, it is never good. This is in a text message, by the way, at 204-780-6868. Dean says, yes, of course, it is never good when people lose their jobs. I was once in that position. However, however, to think that a job is guaranteed for life or that companies will never restructure to save money is absurd. I don't fear for Manitoba or the future. Other positions can are and will be created. Economies and sectors fluctuate. It is the way of the world. Dean, thank you for your text at 204-780-6868. And maybe this is where I was coming from, and a listener's done a great job in, of putting my words into my own mouth and, and putting my thoughts into different words. We need to change the discussion. These are not job cuts. These are people being cut. They have families to support, mortgages to pay. This will have a tremendous impact on our economy. Add in people being cut at Hydro. And, uh, of course, these are rumors and concerns about nurses and teachers. And uh, what do you have? So I'm not the only one thinking this way on this uh, afternoon, uh, the morning of the announcement that 450 jobs or people will be let go from Great West Life, Great West Life, either through attrition, early retirement buyouts. It sounds as though layoffs will be their last choice, as it typically is in situations like this. Tyson has uh, countered to what I was talking about earlier, uh, where I was saying that I knew some people, some young people in Great West Life many years ago, talking over over 10 years ago, who got away with goofing off all day long. And Tyson says, my 22-year-old fiancé finds herself constantly doing other people's work at Great West Life, many of whom are much older, kind of uh, one bad apple ruins the bunch situation. She also pulls plenty of overtime when needed. So I thank you for that, Tyson. And again, just want to make sure I'm not saying all young, all young people are lazy. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this was what, this was my... The opinion that I formed a number of years ago based on what I was seeing, and over time that has since been wiped away. Um, Another text here at 7806868. My friend's husband works at Great West Life. They heard about the cuts on the news. Says uh, he'll find out when he gets to work. Today, Hydro uh, and Great West Life, pardon me, Hydro and Great West Life Employees think they have job security. If these jobs are getting cut, which jobs are secure? Yeah, that's for sure. I uh, There's really, are there any industries that are completely secure? I don't really know. 144 on 680 CJOB. 204-780-6868 is the number to call 
It's the number to text if you want to weigh in on this when you hear news that 450 jobs are being cut in Winnipeg at Great West Life. And with the recent news about Manitoba Hydro losing close to 1,000, cutting 1,000 jobs, cutting 1,000 people, however you want to look at mm-hmm. it, what is your thought on this? 204-780-6868 is the number to talk to or text. You can email brett at cjob.com. Greg. Or GMAC, sorry, GMAC at CJOB.com. Is Greg Mackling at CJOB.com? That that's, also, that's an option. Okay, that's where I was going with that. It's 144. Your forecast is up next. Our conversation this half hour is much like I think a lot of the conversations going on at coffee shops and uh, maybe out if you're grabbing a hot dog on Broadway today. Uh, the fact that 450 jobs at Great West Life will be lost. And as one of our texters says, uh, these are people that are being cut from uh, one of the largest employers here in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, This is part of a move uh, to eliminate 1,500 jobs across the country. Of course, when you have the most jobs, you're going to lose the most jobs. When a company that is nationwide starts cutting, they will do so as best as they can through attrition, early retirement packages. Uh, Some layoffs are a possibility. But this is life-changing for a whole lot of people, and it makes a lot of people nervous too, Brett, when, uh, when this news comes out. Mike is at 204-780-6868. Mike, thanks for calling us. What do you have to say about this? Well, thanks for taking my call. I guess I want to change the dialogue a little bit as follows. I want to ask you a question. What makes your job secure? Nothing makes our job secure. We've seen probably 75 people lose their jobs in this building over the last three years. No one is secure here. So I would suggest that this is life-changing for people. It's, It's because they haven't planned properly and, and recognize that it, indeed in today's environment, well, frankly, in the job environment since uh, the beginning of the century or beyond, um, there is no such thing as security, and it comes down to your own personal performance and uh, making sure that you are keeping skills fresh and so on. I, I find in our province that we are now victims of a work culture that emphasizes things like security. We have a highly unionized environment etc. Guess what? This is what happens. Um, I I do find it a little disconcerting that a company like Great West Life is doing it simply because I feel that um, with its professional management team, which I have some familiarity with, I I have more confidence in how well it's been run as opposed to Hydro, for example, which has been very badly managed for decades and has been a tool of, of the past government it's no surprise that eventually that's going to catch up and be reflected in job losses. So I guess my message is um, people have to regard their, their jobs as not secure. They should be constantly looking. And when I hear people say, gee, it's people who are affected, I don't wish to sound harsh, but of course that's true. Uh, and lives are affected. Sure, that's a motherhood statement, but what have people done to prepare for this? So are you suggesting that we should all kind of, and, and, and I don't say this or use this term to, to be flippant or what have you, no. but what I'm wondering, like, are, are you suggesting that we all sort of have like an, uh, like an apocalypse kind of backup plan? You know, where they say like well, the, everybody should have a rainy day fund. Drop the word apocalypse, but, but look, you know, you, you need to be constantly planning for retirement, for changes in your workplace, changes in your career. It's as simple as saying, okay, if I anticipate getting information or notice from Great West Life that my position may be redundant, 
What have I done to prepare myself for that possibility? And I would suggest anybody who says, woe is me, hasn't done it. Uh, another analogy, and I realize this is a bit off the beaten trail, but I think it's symptomatic. Um, as you may be aware, there's talk about expanding CPP because people haven't planned for their retirement appropriately. Yep. So big brother government is going to step in. Well, well that say, sort of takes us back to this idea that whether it's hydro or, or other crown corporations, to a certain extent, that's been the government treating those organizations as job creation tools. And in today's society, that just doesn't work. Government no longer is in a position to provide you with that job security. Mike, uh, you make bit- Mike, you make some outstanding points. I guess uh, the the conversation uh, is an outstanding one that that you've started. the The concern that you know we started out expressing is just this idea: has this got you worried? And maybe your message, Mike, is that we all should be worried. Well, I prefer not to worry be, you prefer because to be I prefer to be proactive. Yeah. I prefer, precisely. Precisely what you said. If this is what it takes for people to take those steps, so be it. So I would rather the conversation be about what are we going to do about it as opposed to somewhat the woe is me that, that seems to typify um, what I would call the work and business culture. Not business, that's a little bit unfair, but, but the work environment in Manitoba. There's a little bit of woe is me, whether it's MTS, whether it's hydro, whether it's Great West Life. Instead of saying the sky is falling, um, what are you going to do about it? Thanks, Mike. And frankly, if if you're in a position where your job is threatened, I suspect you should have seen that. I suspect you're not one of the top performers. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel threatened. So I say look in the mirror. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I I would just add to that as well. uh, I just want to quickly say... In response to that, I mean, and that's that's a fair point, but, uh, you know, I referred to how I've seen dozens of people lose their jobs in this building, and you can't look at, at them and say that they weren't the top performers. Sometimes you never know where the guillotine is going to drop, and it doesn't mean that you're not a, a, a good performer. Sometimes there's just no more room for you at the table. Well, the, the, the economy's changing. The economy's been changing for a long time. And this is uh, another example of that. And I can't imagine that anybody that works at Great West Life that follows their stock history and their profit history could have predicted this. I know Mike is saying, well, you know, you should have had this maybe on your radar, but Great West Life is one of the most profitable companies anywhere in North America. So this is going to, I think, uh, has to be a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, here's a text at 7806868. Sure, it's sad for those that lose their jobs. As a former employee of Canada Safeway, I've seen men and women with over 15, 20 years in the company with six-figure salaries start having to search for new careers. But of course, most companies will not let you go empty-handed or Give plenty of time in advance. Peter is at 204-780-6868. Peter, what are your thoughts? Well, the same thing happened uh, in the 1980s when interest rates went to 21%. My father-in-law was one of those people that uh, started a great life at 22 and at 47 was laid off and let go without a pension and because uh, there's uh, cheaper uh, labor out there. And that's probably the same thing that's happening now. It's, it's a, yeah. Mike is right. There's no job security. And uh, planning for, for retirement is really hard because I know for myself, I did the thing. I invested in RSPs, and in 2005, 60%, 70% of my RSPs did vanish, disappeared. So mm-hmm. I, I think even that, you, you have to look after yourself. I, I, like maybe hiding money under mattresses is maybe an extreme, but, but I don't think that anything that the government sets up for you 
is is something that's going to be there uh, when you're when you're getting ready for retirement. So, like at at 45, I have to start over again, basically with with uh, saving money for retirement because of the crash in 2005. So it it's it, it cycles every 20 years, and I think yeah, you have to prepare for it. Peter, I've got 30 seconds or less for your answer. Is this a wake-up call, and should this be a wake-up call for people in our community? Well, I think that it is a wake-up call. I think people need to to invest in yourself and not not think that the company that you may invest your life in is going to take care of you. You've got to do it because no one else will. It's, it's, it's harsh words, but that's reality. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate your point of view right. on this. Thank you. And I appreciate everyone's... Feedback at 204-780-6868. I'll just close with Jen's text here, who says, I lost a good job in 1992. I worked there for 12 years. I was blindsided, and so were hundreds, if not thousands, nationally. This was devastating, regardless of payouts, and this had nothing to do with job performance. It had to do with the bottom line of the bank's profits. took me months to get over. Thank you, Jan, and thanks to everyone at 204-780-6868. We are diving in the black after the news on 680 CJOB. Uh-huh. The truth comes out, right, Brett McGarry? We know why our next guests are in the house. We are uh, talking a little comedy right now. Blake, black Space Winnipeg. Uh, looking forward to this show uh, this evening. Uh, Gil Lubin is here, and uh, we've been talking a little bit about Toronto. We've been talking about the islands and uh, some of our uh, shared connections down uh, St. Lucia, St. Kitsway. Great to have you aboard, Gil. Absolutely fantastic to meet you guys. Winnipeg, thanks for the warm, thanks for the warm welcome in spite of what I see. Yeah, well, you know, we had uh, some new quarterbacks, uh, Americans, for uh, Blue Bombers up yesterday. And, of course, uh, with the weather, it's the running joke. You know, I feel bad with it, but I took a drive here. It's not something any comedian brags about. You took but a I drive? I took a, a drive from Toronto to Winnipeg. Oh, did uh, you drive here? Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. I was, I was thinking we're just trying to play it safe. Right, um, right. And uh, this isn't cold compared to where I had to drive through. I had to learn of names like uh, Dryden. Yes. Kenora. Oh, you're talking emotionally cold. Oh, yes. <laughs> emotionally cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were nice. That's wrong. That's wrong. They were Stanford, nice. Stanford, Manitoba. you got to be careful because those I'm are just our kidding. cousins. And no. They but don't I didn't say bad. It was no, very no. cold. Mm, was I'm very, just kidding. I stopped off. Everyone was nice. But it was cold, and they did have the, uh, as they were aware, they had the flurry, and they, there's a snowstorm over there. I, I almost had to stay in Kenora. Like, okay. It took me two days for nine hours. Yeah, well, the hour highway was closed yesterday from, uh, I guess it was, uh, where was that from? Vermilion Bay all yeah, the way to the that's border? That's right, that's so, right. Well, good to have you here. Pleasure. And, I made it, and there's and no snow when I And you could have come in 97. We're having that anniversary that's now. That's right, 20 and years now. 20 years ago, it was, uh, we were, uh, you would have looked out the window there and seen the flood, the, the, the devastating flood. That Flood we had of the century years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, Did we'll not, tell no. you about that. That's when. That's when I moved here. Did you know that? No, didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. That's the voice of Lara Ray. Yeah. By the way, I Great recall. To have her in I the recall studio. as if it were yesterday. Actually, sitting in a mansion in Wellington Crescent, sipping cognac and wondering if the sandbags would hold. <laughs> yeah. The owners of the house had evacuated two weeks earlier. So. You have no idea what their names were or where they That's were. That's right, but 
You oh, were a squatter. I was comfortable. I was comfortable. <laughs> I thought this is the life. So, uh, Gil, mm. what, what's bringing you to town here? Black Space Winnipeg. It's called In the Black. Yes. Featuring Lara Ray. It's at the Gas Station Art Center tonight. 25 bucks, by the way. Are, are we just talking I about changed we it? We dropped that. We changed it. Uh, we it's, didn't mean to make it 25. Yeah, it's 15 at the door. So 15 we're doing, at the door, yes. Yeah, yeah. Alexa, yes. get your facts you straight. You can't be giving stuff you away. You know what? Have uh, you ever heard of alternate facts, young man? Those are alternate facts. Okay. Well, but you, but, $15. But you know what it was? Actually, the first time, the reason my first uh, visit to Winnipeg was because of Lara. Uh, Lara Ray was the first one to bring me to Winnipeg, to the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, catching me in an underground comedy room in Toronto. Uh, second time around was Rumors, which was fun. Not necessarily his cup of tea. As a comedian, that's okay. And I, uh, these, I uh, have done some time on MTV and ran into a, a group of wonderful people who followed or supported, including Alexa, who's uh, sitting next to me. And um, she's doing black space, and it's very tough to not support when you see effort. You know what I mean? So mm. I, I would love to come. I get to visit Winnipeg again. Probably the only way I could get here, unless it's Winnipeg Fest, which is very nice to me, very kind. But that would be a humbling one for a longer set. So because of her, I was like, I would love to come out here and let's do it. And well, the way at the gas at the gas station art center, which is a lovely room for comedy. So and uh, if people came to the festival this year, they might have noticed we didn't have our venue available. So I'm actually quite excited as a as oh, a performer. Uh, to be back in that room because it's a great really room nice. to play and you played when you came out to the festival you That's played right. that room before but it's That's such right. a great comedy room and so we really encourage people to come down on a Tuesday night well I've been I've been to the to the gas station once I saw a musical there what makes it good about or what makes it a good room for comedy because I I wouldn't know like there isn't rooms. a bad seat in the house yeah. uh, for That's one true. it's got a nice big comfortable stage the sound is very good you know acoustically it's a great room and our sound system is very good and and great know, stage beautiful uh, quite stage. the space to express it leaves the yeah, option yeah, you for can really uh, what stretch you want to paint and create you know so and I love room that for about a DJ. It. Room for a DJ. You know those we'll little comedy just, club just, stages. You yes. can't really put a DJ on the stage. <laughs> yes. It looks rather pretentious. You know what it is? Yeah. DJs are a mood setting. You know right. what I mean? It's just like having music anywhere else, but you just—it's a little extra special. And it we're is. just saying that we're giving everything we could. I'm not to sure why interested. you brought one here today. I think that's a bit over the top. I didn't bring one in. That was a <laughs> little <me>. radio joke. <laughs> So do you actually uh, have a DJ on stage with yeah. you? Yeah, we do. Yes, we will. It's uh, DJ Jamal Not Williams. during my show, before I confuse everyone here. Oh, we're no. just like celebrating, uh, um, and it's not a culture. We're celebrating what people love. And there are people out there who love the combination of like, you know, uh, celebrating not just the diversity, but the arts and in the sense of music, you know, and hip hop culture is huge to the generations coming up. So we cannot neglect it completely. You know what I mean? And what uh, was so the name like there? To share I didn't with... hear it. DJ Jamil Williams. Wow. Yes. Yeah. He's also been, I believe, um, the guy behind the scenes at the Bomber Stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. They have the big dance party after the games out on the field. Yes, that's right. Yes. I knew I recognized wow. that name from mm-hmm. somewhere. Oh, that's, that's impressive. Absolutely. That's a voice, by the way. We'll of, have uh, to step up our game tonight. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my leggings. Well, I'm definitely here to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to deliver, man. I'm excited about this. And the only thing I want to do is just deliver these good jokes and make sure that they leave there slightly happier than they came in. Well, and, and Gil, you mentioned that one of the reasons you're here is to work with Black Space. Alexa yes. Potashnik is the founder 
of Black Space Winnipeg. What is Black Space Winnipeg? Uh, essentially, we are a grassroots nonprofit organization. We held the first Black Lives Matter rally at the Ledge uh, last July. And we just want to ensure that there are safe spaces for people of color and black people in the city. We challenge racism, discrimination, anti-black racism, and host events that are very thought-provoking. Um, we partnered with CCPA, the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, to bring Dr. Angela Davis here, along with uh, QPOC Winnipeg, Career People of Color. And all of our efforts are bringing um, very essential, I think, discourse into people's everyday conversation on identity, on race, on challenging systemic um, discrimination, which is supposed to make people uncomfortable. And that's where I feel most comfortable when we're challenging the privilege and, um, you know, the, the, the very interesting um, corruption, I think, in a very flawed society at times. Well, and one of the best ways to do that is through comedy, right? Because Absolutely. it's kind of like an almost all, it's a good, all bets are It's off. a good leveler for sure. Oh, and then you brought in one. that remarkable... Um, a film to cinema tech about yes. Jim, uh, James Baldwin. James Jimmy Baldwin. Baldwin. Um, I'm not your Negro. Uh, in nice. partnership oh. with Cinema Tech, and we're also screening Free Angela Davis on May 1st, um, in anticipation of Dr. Davis' uh, visit to Winnipeg. So this is the second time she'll be in Winnipeg. She was here back in the 1980s, and it's going to be at Knox United Cho- wow. uh, Church on May 6th. Um, we also partnered with Spurfest Winnipeg um, the beginning of May. So it's a lot of like intellectual conversations. And I think after May 6th, I'll we'll finally change get that to, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not want to be a part of what they're doing? Oh, right? How can you know, not be impressed with the effort so impressed from Black Space? I was like, whatever giving. you guys want, mm-hmm. I'm here, man. So, so happen. we were having this discussion in the newsroom. I don't. I think it was yesterday. We were talking about our favorite comedians and Louis C.K. and Seinfeld, and of course, I said Chris Rock, and and someone said ah, Chris can be a little black sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah. And not in terms of his comedy, yeah. but in the fact that he's representing the the, the black yeah. American point of view. But I said, yeah, but you know what? I think he puts his arm around white America yes. and kind of says brings in brings us in so and, important. Then, and then every once in a while he will look at the cameras if to say like <laughs> yeah, yeah, white is uh, not getting it would anyone <laughs> would anyone ever say Jeff Foxworthy is a little white because even as a white person he's a little no, too white for me you know what I mean I, I, I understand what you mean I mean we have yeah, the younger yeah. generation saying like like I was dating this girl and she's like I saw this girl on the bus and she looked like she acting all black I'm like what was yeah. she like hanging out with Beyonce at the time <laughs> was she like being arrested now you know I you did great, Chris Rock. So, uh, oh, I could do, I actually have a wide range I never get to showcase, uh, including Oprah, believe it or not. Let's like, oh, let's hear a little Oprah. Chris Rock, you, you don't want it. You don't want it. I have to bring in the video. 80s Oprah or 90s Oprah? Because she well, stepped well, it up a bit, well, too. With Oprah, with Oprah, <laughs> oh, it was yeah, the, she did. Uh, right when she had Phil in. And the trick with doing an Oprah impression is not so much that I could do the voices, it's saying the things that they would right. say. How's so, that working for you? Uh, not so well. I'm sticking to Gilson, <laughs> but the Oprah voice is just like, okay, Phil. Now, uh, okay, <clears throat> okay, Phil. Now I, now I see. What was it? Oh yeah, <laughs> she would just uh, basically, okay, okay, Phil. Now what we want to know is what is this all about? Isn't that right, right, folks? Because I see some of y'all nodding your heads, and that's what we here for. I've done it in twelve years. <laughs> I see some of y'all nodding your heads, and that's what oh we here God, for. God. That's Oprah. And she just <laughs> and she puts on this big smile, and it was like, oh, Oprah, you're right. And he's why I'm here, girl. You know what I mean, like. <laughs> So Oprah's all energy, and that's what you do. You know, you mentioned Oprah and Chris Rock. How yes. is it that Oprah, a woman of color, yes. who is very expressive, very proud of who she is, of her heritage, of the color of her skin, but is there anyone more popular 
in with any race of any people in America. Oprah. I mean, Amer- America loves Oprah Winfrey. They love Oprah, and that's because there, there's uh, two types of uh, people that people like people who work hard in spite of and regardless of what the uh, walls are. And there's the people that you just want to be like, oh, I like them anyways, you know. But there's the people like I can't help but like you. Oprah has not complained any part of her life. All she did was work hard from her first opportunity. You know what I mean? So how can you possibly find anything wrong with her? You have to love someone like that. And it's interesting. The other person that's very popular is uh, is Ellen, right? Mm-hmm. And so you think about Oprah and Ellen, and and they're on, love you know, they're Ellen. on every day in the afternoon. My See, theory is actually that people that don't go outside are far more tolerant than people that do. I think we're getting somewhere with all of this. Now, you notice the people he said. There's Oprah and here's Ellen. What I like about both of them is that they all put their pride aside and just worked and proved that what they look like, their skin color, has nothing to do with the work. And I was saying to Alexa earlier, what I've learned uh, in comedy was I do not have to respect my idol's uh, behavior. I have to respect their body of work and learn from that. Aside from that, because you, I ran into a lot of disappointments. Who and do, I just what learned do you mean that. By that. I recently learned that because a lot of the same people I look up to when I meet them, they will rub you the wrong way and could care less about you. Not because they, 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 they're not doing it uh, maliciously, it's what they understood that they right. had to do. So they may be being but protective. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't go as far as like Cosby in that declaration. Cosby? I, I remember that Bill Cosby was one of my biggest inspirations. What was tough for people to understand? We're living in 2005 YouTube. Everything went huge. So now you could Google and you're way less ignorant or naive. With Bill Cosby, when you're looking for books on, and you just want a black performer, how many are you going to find? Maybe Dick Gregory, the first book I found, you know, uh, Dick Gregory, a yeah, civil yeah. activist, uh, caught my attention. And there's Bill Cosby. He's the only other one who wrote a book. I'm not saying no one else did, but that's what I like comedy. I'm like, I guess I have no option. And he's doing comedy squeaky clean which every comic think is the toughest thing to do now the behavior and all that stuff that has nothing to do with me because but if it wasn't for him i would not understand where to, where to begin to some degrees you know mm-hmm. or at least probably not have it in me to try and be a better comic or try not to swear try not to do this and that try to respect people up until that you know I, you know i'm like it's Whoa. interesting because you know it was because you know that's kind of what brought him down was this coldiness around how what people well, should it. say and not say he was kind of yeah, righteous it was right? hypocrisy he was because, very righteous because yeah, even though prior was prior's behavior was uh not always perfect it was in public and he it's owned more it and he shared that on stage and his voice is integrity in his voice where he said, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. So he ended up, you know, uh, uh, prior when he passed away, passed away as uh, as a legend. Cosby will not. He will pass and, away and as a pariah. Is, and, and prior is not ever going to be uh, known as uh, someone you can't like in spite of everything. You could be like, oh, I hate Cosby for this. No, because because prior was 100%. Exactly. He was who he was. He, he did was not lie about authentic. his flaws. Yes. He did not lie about he whatever he was doing about wrong. His flaws. Exactly. And, and my reason for saying that was not because of Cosby. It was of actually a, another comic who I opened for and had the nerve to try and humiliate me when I was like, oh my gosh, that hurts so much that now I know that I cannot count on the person. It's the work you have right, to look at. Right, right. kind of want to hear what that story was. Uh, we'll pause the conversation. <laughs> Gilson Lubin is here. He is performing tonight at the gas station. Uh, Art Center in the Black featuring Lara Ray. And we're also speaking with Alexa Potashnik, who is the founder of Black Space Winnipeg. We'll continue our chat after your forecast up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. We are joined in studio by Gilson Lubin, who is performing tonight in the Black featuring Lara Ray at 8 o'clock.
o'clock at the Gas Station Art Center. Gilson is here along with Lara Ray and Alexa Potashnik, who is the founder of Black Space Winnipeg, who is pre- uh, presenting tonight's event, which, by the way, is 15 bucks at the door. Lara, this is a one-word answer for you. Are you coming out as black tonight? Is that no? I'm not going to come out as black. I did. It's funny you say that because around the time of um, wow, and we don't have time to talk about this tonight. But it's a fascinating topic, which is you know around the time that that uh, Rachel woman, uh, yes, Mm -hmm. Donuts, who was doing the uh, you know the the um, she was blackface doing blackface basically tan face. Uh, there was two things. One is I made a joke. I said, you know, when I when I came out as trans, I said this is just part of my journey, and next year I'm coming out as a fierce black <laughs> woman, right? Just as to make a joke of that. But it's interesting because she's, and the, you know, maybe we'll talk about this tonight on, to on stage. Is she's playing the trans card? She's saying I'm transracial. Right now, the problem is. And, you know, fundamentally, and people need to understand, is is trans people represent about 2 to 3% of the global population. You'll find them and find them throughout history. She's the first transracial person in human history because it doesn't exist. You're That's not right. born transracial. She uh, has made a choice uh, to embrace uh, a culture, uh, and many people have thought that she's gone over the top. She's and, crazy. And their embracement <laughs> she's is crazy. Yes. crazy. <laughs> Gilson, Gilson, I wanted yes. to ask you. Ask away. Uh, do, we call it, do we call it a double standard about how uh, black comedians can talk about uh, their white audience and how white comedians can talk about uh, black audience? Um, no. Definitely not a double standard. Were you busy yelling oh, knowing my no. right? And uh, here's why is because, ah, I'll get to the point. This time I, I could get to a blunt answer is that um, there was a time when you'd go to comedy clubs and the butt of most jokes were either the fat guy, the gay guy, the black guy. I'm not making this up. I know. And people went out and laughed about it. So when I went out to do comedy, I remember I was given a scholarship for writing and someone said, Gilson, you have to remember that they have to relate to you and I feel sorry for you. That's not my fault. You could choose to relate if you want or understand. I never said that. I just took it in. I was like, absolutely. But I would not, you would be training me to write what your ears are waiting to hear. That's not fair. So it's not really a double standard. You should speak if your heart's pure. You know what I mean? If your heart's in the right place, say anything you want. Correct it as you go along. Shouldn't matter. That's my opinion. Uh, Lara had a pretty uh, interesting take on it, actually. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, it's a single, you know, it's a single kind of uh, standard, right? It really is about who can, uh, who who owns it and stuff. And also, it's not hurting you when you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Like when people, when I hear the word tranny, for example, right? It just, it it stabs me. Yeah. And some people in our community, including Lara Jane Grace in her autobiography, use the word. But when I hear it, you know, and it yeah. was it I was mean, acceptable I, for a long time. I've been I get called it probably twice a year. I'm averaging now, which has dipped quite a bit. You from get called tranny, <laughs> <laughs> really? Almost the other one, You're the N word. And um, but You're what people have to realize, That's like shocking to me, it, before there it easily kidding. distracts me. <laughs> Go ahead, just like um, uh, but not in a bad way. Never feel bad. Of it just means I'm trying to remember bad. this thought. I, I got the ADD going. We don't have um. Basically, um, um, every crowd is a handshake from a homeless guy to a lawyer. You'll probably approach them differently. Um, but I will not go out to make anyone uncomfortable. I don't even use the word. Although, even with my family, I actually don't. Maybe around certain circles, it may come out. But um, the a lot of the people who use it. I, I, I'm from the Caribbean. I didn't, I grew up slightly differently than even Caribbean blacks talk about the difference between, you know, we, we are not different, but I didn't grow up being beaten up as often as probably some of those guys. So yeah. 
We That's have, a terrible way to promote a comedy show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Hey, girl. That's a great way to Gilson Lubin presents. There was only one word we're saying tonight. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for coming. Get a little red skeleton at the end. <laughs> black Space Winnipeg presents yes. Gilson Lubin in the Black featuring Lara Ray tonight at 8 o'clock at the Gas Station Arts Ooh, Center. Tickets. $15? You're $15. kidding. For both, not for both of them, surely. <laughs> hey, it makes How it, can you do that? It makes it easier to just give them all you got. It's like I'm a not gift. holding back. You better show it's up, like guys. I promise you. I promise you I'm doing this with a purpose. The news is next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on 680 CJOB. Want to talk about something right now. I've I've talked about a television show in particular in recent months. It's a show based out of Iceland, and it's called Trapped. It's a wonderful show. It's a murder mystery. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. That's where I discovered it, on Netflix. And one of the things I ended up enjoying the most about it is that it is primarily in Icelandic. Just here's a clip from the show where you get to hear this wonderful language. So I... I've seen shows that are in other languages, whether it's a, a movie like a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or there, you know, that's just a, an example that jumps to mind because it was Oscar nominated. But it's not like I'm unfamiliar with watching film or television that is in another language. But in this particular case, I just thought, what a lovely language! It was I just, it was, it sort of was mesmerizing. It's kind of lyrical and whimsical and. And now it's in peril, Greg. This according to the headline in an article that I discovered, or was it you, Brett? It must have been. Was it you or was it me? It was on over the weekend. There yeah. Is, uh, mo- situ- most computers don't speak Icelandic, and that's bad news for the future of the language. Joining us from Reykjavik is Eagle Bjarnason. Eagle, thanks for taking some time with us and an outstanding uh, article uh, that you wrote that appeared in Time Magazine, amongst other places. Uh, in fact, it's ironic when I was reading this, we were experiencing a phenomenon, a weather phenomenon that you, in fact, quote in the third paragraph of your article, something like that, (laughs) which means heavy snowfall with large flakes occurring in calm wind. We had exactly that on Saturday morning, and please say it for me. So now now you know what, what the right term is. Well, thank you so much for having me on the on the on the show, and I agree with you that Trapped uh, is is a wonderful wonderful show. Well, I'm glad I'm not to hear that. For you. How do you how what is the name of the show in Iceland? Because I know it's not Trapped. How do you say it? Oh, Ófærð. Oh, Ófærð. I mean that uh, it sort of translates as Trapped. Okay. Well, thank you so much yeah. for that. So. Most computers don't speak Icelandic. That's bad news for the future of the language. That's the headline. Why is that bad news for the future of your language? Well, in this headline, we sort of discuss how the conditions for the Icelandic language to thrive have changed very dramatically in the past three to five years. And that's not just due to technology, but also due to other factors, mainly globalization and uh, and the fact that young people read less today. But, of course, technology is something we can control, and therefore there's been quite a, quite a lot of emphasis on the need to improve kind of the 
the the artificial intelligence behind um, voice controlled gadgets, which are kind of coming into the vogue, and they don't speak Icelandic yet, but of course they they could. But it's uh, for such a small country, um, the cost of of doing so is the same, regardless whether it's a country of three hundred thousand or or three hundred million. So Iceland and other kind of smaller languages, or smaller languages spoken by a few people, are kind of struggling with the same same issue. And I think Iceland in particular, because it's known for being a very tech-savvy nation in a way. When you look at that and the reality of that situation, does that mean that uh, Icelanders, whether they live in Iceland or in New Iceland in Gimli or or outside here in Manitoba, we've got a very strong Icelandic community, which is why we reached out to you. Is, is that a wake-up mm-hmm. call to uh, re-emphasize and re-engage with the language? What is the message here uh, for the Icelandic community itself? Yeah, it is. An, it, it, it is hopefully it is a is a wake up call and there's been a lot of discussions in Iceland after the article came out and, and you know and generally people people feel very strongly about it's their language but it's also a language that has such a rich history it's um, it's a language that kind of keeps with, with the kind of the history books of the old the Norse people are written in and and therefore the kind of the it runs a very strong, hits a very strong chord with the Icelandic population, and everybody, everybody sort of want to to do what they can. But as we know, technology is evolving very fast, and and it's not like it's in the benefit of those who develop these consumer items to have them in Icelandic, since the Icelandic population also speaks English more or less. It's we are we consume media and we a lot of people work in English and also a lot of people are from a different country in Iceland um, so so you can easily offer say a voice controlled TV or a voice controlled fridge or whatever to to the Iceland population and why this matters is that if people find that they can't use their own language in a certain part of their daily life, there comes a time that when they just think, well, then why are we doing it? So why are we, why are we, why are we maintaining this kind of eccentric tongue if, it, if it's useless in certain, certain very, very specific activities? Of, of an average person. So that's why it's important for the language to to be adapted to these devices, it's according biz- to the experts I spoke with. And it's almost bizarre to imagine that a, a talking fridge, or you mentioned the remote controls now that uh, you can command with your voice, and uh, that that would be the impetus for you to go to English as your default when your default at home may have been for generations Icelandic and maybe only speaking English when you're outside the home. Yeah, that is correct. I mean, it's a very new thing in Iceland that you ever have to speak English. We, we've, ex- we've been experiencing a tourist boom here in the past six years. 
And that has changed it a lot. A lot of people, you know, it's kind of prompted a lot of people to have to speak Icelandic in their in the daily life. But uh, other than that, uh, English is, is, is not, has not been part of our uh, culture. So is there a, a serious danger of the Icelandic language being, quite frankly, just overrun, being flattened one day by English? Yeah, that is a very that that, that is a that is a real risk, um, and we're already seeing we're already seeing signs of that, especially among young people, and it changes. Um, I know people who are uh, who are kind of my age, and they have maybe younger siblings, uh, siblings that are quite younger than them, and the difference in the vocabulary between. Between them, it's different. It's not just generational difference. It's something that is changing just um, just between certain age groups. Eagle Bjarnson joins us. His uh, article has appeared all over the world. Uh, the iteration I read was in Time magazine, Most Computers Don't Speak Icelandic. That's bad news for the future of the language. Your former president has come out and said, you know, if we're not careful, Icelandic will end up in the same bin as Latin. And, you know, you just mentioned technology and tourism as an impetus for for people to incorporate more English into their lives. But I also read in your article the fact that some of the literature that students in Iceland uh, have been reading uh, pretty much since uh, these publications were were delivered uh, have stopped becoming part of the uh, of the uh, curriculum. Yes, correct. That's that is perhaps. I mean, that's kind of symbolizes the issue in a way. We have these books, the Sagas of the Icelanders, which are penned in in the 13th century, uh, and and they chronicle the early settlers of Iceland. They're kind of stories about Vikings, and what people in modern Iceland have always prided themselves of is the fact that the language hasn't changed much since the 13th century, and you can open these books and read them. Some of them have. They've adapted the language a bit, but reading comprehension by by teenagers and by young kids today is a lot different from what it what it once was, and that's part of that is 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 there is how the kind of the vocabulary has been flattened out with English or kind of influenced by by English, and also the fact that that people read a lot less so they reading a heavy text like the sagas is is just too much eagle how is it that the, the language hasn't really changed all that much if at all since the 13th century because if you look at english for example the language changes virtually every day yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's that is well, that's uh, isolation partly <laughs> We uh, we are an island in uh, we are a remote island and uh, and uh, so 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 yeah and uh, that that's mainly mainly because of that. I would never but have imagined. We also it, it, it has another a little bit longer explanation. The Iceland has has a tra- traditionally been part of Denmark and the language was influenced by Danish, but when when Icelanders started fighting for independence, they kind of they revived the language and they 
they kind of built the language on the old sagas. So they, so they kind of went back to the sagas and brought sort of elements from the sagas into 19th century and 20th century Icelandic. I apologize, Eagle. I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you there. Uh, with uh, long distance, sometimes there's a little bit of a delay, and I thought you were finished your answer. So please accept my apology. I never would have imagined the, uh, the one, the other part of this that fascinated me, and that was the idea that this could lead to brain drain and Iceland losing some of its best and brightest minds. Explain how that might happen. Yeah, in the article, we speak with uh, an economist here, and he he points out that if if Iceland would be part of a a larger language zone like English, you would almost by default have the brightest people in certain industries, so especially industries that are kind of very very tend to be very correlated, tend to tend to be very very area specific uh, in their sort of dynamics, uh, such as science and arts. Uh, you would have all these people just go to the to the biggest cities of the, that particular language zone. So, you, you, like in the Furio Islands, where Danish is, where people speak Danish, while well, they also speak Furio Islands, but Danish is kind of also an, an unofficial language, there's a lot more brain drain than in Iceland. And, and these are both islands, small islands in the North Atlantic have a sort of a very similar situation, but except that the Furry Islands has a part of a big language zone. Eagle, we would be remiss by not uh, bringing you on and giving you an opportunity to tell us uh, a little bit more about Iceland that we might know. I'm fascinated by the fact that Iceland is so energy self-sufficient, the way that you use geothermal heat and, and uh, geothermal generated electricity and, and are, are really off the world grid in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, it's very easy to get here. I think even you know, for, there are probably probably very easy flights from from Manitoba um, uh, or Gimlet. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know, really know what to, what to say. What. What, what do you want to know? It's a, faci- it's a fascinating place, and, and uh, I, I guess I, I maybe didn't ask it the right way. I made a statement and didn't ask you a question, and, and uh, just maybe give, us an, uh, give you an opportunity as to why people might want to come and visit Iceland, because it is a gorgeous place. Um, yeah, the, it's, I think you, it's, it's a volcanic island, so... You you have the, a very diverse landscape, a landscape that is kind of changing a lot in not not year by year, but in sort of geological terms, it's it's young and and, and it cha- changes changes dramatically, and therefore on this even though it's a small island, you have a very diverse scenery, so, and I think that's part of the reason that people come here is that it. It's diverse and it is also quite alive, if I may say so. You, you know, the weather it changes because it's an island; it changes a lot more, and there's a lot of geothermal. We are under a hot spot, so there's a lot of lot of 
lot of steam coming from the from the ground and 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 so forth. Well, uh, Eagle, one more thing before we let you go here. Uh, two more things, really. I need a couple of language lessons. On Saturday, I was reading a story about Iceland, and I came across the name of your former president, and I, I decided to not even make an attempt. I simply said, Iceland's former president. Is it? I'm going to take a guess, and I need you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. Is it Vigdis Finnbogadotter? Yeah, you you pretty much got that, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of people in uh, in the area where you where your show is being broadcasted may have that may have that name, Vigdis. Uh, it, it it's I've met people from that area that have have um, that 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 had the same name because it's an old Icelandic name, and and of course all the people that that left here for for Canada, they they. Uh, they brought their traditions with them, and then some of the names have, have kept within the family. So, I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's another big this uh, listening. That's outstanding. Well done, Brett. And Solar Fry, what is Solar Fry? Yeah, Solar Fry is the that's the that's when our staff gets a, an unexpected afternoon off to uh, to enjoy a warm sunny weather. <laughs> We have a special name for that. Love it. Hey, Eagle, thank you for this. It was a genuine pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for this insight into Iceland and the language. <laughs> well, thank you for calling. All right. It is 2.51. Your forecast is up next. 3.08 on this Tuesday afternoon as we try and struggle, make our way to uh, 6 degrees plus 4 right now. The forecast uh, for Thursday still flurries. I promised our next guest that we would limit our conversation on the weather. So that's the end of that. And we welcome into the studio Kelly Scrivener. She is uh, representing something that I think is absolutely fantastic, which is why we're bringing it to you. Something called Horse Sense, an equine-assisted activity program for those living with physical and psychological challenges. Kelly, thanks for reaching out to us about this. We appreciate that very much. Thank you for having me on. So outside of the short blurb that I just gave, maybe you could tell us what is Horse Sense. It's a program that uh, myself and the owners of Westwind Stables, which is uh, a really large equine facility just uh, around Oak Bluff, um, they've been around for seven years at that location. That's a fairly new location. So there was a lot of uh, calls coming in for uh, activities for people with disabilities and inquiring about uh, working with horses or riding horses or anything to do with horses uh, because it's certainly becoming more popular with regards to, I think, social media and people are going, oh, wow, you know, this is really neat. Um, we were just getting a lot of calls and there wasn't really an opportunity to do anything um, at that time. And so the owner, Chris Delinsky, said, you know, what, what do you think about uh, maybe doing this as a full-time job? Because my kids were now in school full-time and I'm a certified uh, therapeutic riding instructor. So I said, this is great. Let's let's do this. So we've been sort of building a program and, and uh, it's, it's been really fun. We've got people that come out just for recreational visits, weekly visits. Some do riding, some do just what we call touch therapy, which is really just spending time with the horses and grooming them and just having a good time. What is a certified therapeutic riding instructor? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so we have a governing governing body in Canada called CANTRA. So that's the Canadian Therapeutic Riding Association. So they govern all the registered or accredited programs throughout Canada. And uh, so we do our training through them. 
which um, is certainly teaching uh, horseback riding to kids or people with disabilities as a form of therapy. But we also uh, sometimes work in conjunction with speech-language pathologists or occupational therapists. But we also do have some medical training as well as part of our certification levels. Why is riding a horse therapeutic? Because a horse actually mimics, when they walk, they actually mimic our movement of our pelvis. So if you can imagine someone who's maybe in a wheelchair, um, they're getting that opportunity not only to get out of their wheelchair and feel like, you know, hey, this is cool. I've got some freedom here to move. But it actually helps their muscles. They gain um, additional trunk strength and stability because when that horse is moving, you've got to sit up and, and use those core muscles to hold you up. Kids that maybe have more spastic, tight muscles in their legs or they have low tone in their body based on whatever's going on, it can help them as well. So there's some pretty amazing uh, things that can happen. How far back does the history go on this? I mean, this is fascinating stuff. If there's an association, and and this is obviously Mm -hmm. an accredited Mm -hmm. sort of type of therapy, Mm -hmm. there has to be uh, some extensive and fascinating history around this. I want to say... um, it certainly started uh, in the UK. I think that's where it sort of was was really starting to be a, a big thing. One of the programs uh, here in Manitoba, which is Manitoba Riding for the Disabled, is actually celebrating its 40th year. But again, it's just like I'm sure you're thinking right now, wow, I didn't really know that this existed, right? So, um, gosh, I can't really say exactly who the founding fathers are, so to speak, but it was it was something that was going on in the UK and then worked its way, and it's huge in, in the States. It's, it's getting bigger in Canada with more people becoming certified and, and interested in, in equine programs. And then, of course, Horse Sense was we're filling a need out there because people are calling and saying, I really, you know, my daughter is, is, uh, was in a car accident and has brain a brain injury, and I really want her to ride a horse, and there's not a lot out there to do that. Not a lot of programs. Going to continue our conversation in a few moments with Kelly Scrivener, who joins us from Horse Sense. She is a certified therapeutic riding instructor, and we're talking about equine therapy and activities for persons with disabilities. And we will continue our chat after Traffic and Weather Together. Up next. 316, we're talking about equine therapy and activities for persons with disabilities. Kelly Scrivener is here. Horse Sense. How can people find out a little more about Horse Sense uh, outside of our conversation here today, Kelly? Well, it, there would be information on our website for Westwind Stables. Um, that's where we operate out of. So. Westwindstable.ca, yes. mm-hmm. by the way. And uh, you said you like to Google stuff. I like to Google stuff too. And it turns out that the therape- uh, therapeutic benefits of the horse were recognized starting in the year 460 BC. Hippocrates spoke of the healthy pace of the horse. And throughout history, we can find many references to the physical and emotional benefits of riding and, and you were right the early studies in in uh in great britain uh by a french mm-hmm. neurologist 1875 so oh, wow. started stu- studying it that far back Did and at the end that. of the first world war a woman by the name of olive sands put her horses at the disposal of the oxford hospital to test a kind of therapy using animals for patients at the hospital mm-hmm. i mean we hear about uh mm-hmm. dog we mm-hmm. we've, you know animals in hospitals in the workplace and just that physical emotional connection just petting a horse is Mm -hmm. a magical experience for people you were talking about that a little bit that idea of touch therapy it really is i i'll I'll give you an example um so i have for instance a gentleman with autism uh that comes to see me uh during the month a couple times 
he's nonverbal. And when he arrives, often very loud, um, clapping loudly, you know, doing sensory movements, flapping his hands, things like that. We go into the barn, we bring his horse out, and he doesn't actively engage with the horse a great deal with regards. He'll, he'll stand up and touch the horse a few times, but he likes to sit, and he hands me the grooming tools out of our, our grooming bucket. But it's quite amazing that his staff person that brings him and myself are often in awe that once he's sitting in the chair and we bring his special horse over, he's calmer, he's quiet, he often sits and closes his eyes. So, and I and I have that experience with a couple different people that come. They they come with a lot of, um, uh, I guess, energy is a good word. And then when the horse comes out, that horse will often balance the energy and calm the energy. So that's pretty cool. No doubt. And the subject of physical disabilities and riding a horse that, at first glance, to me, sounds really dangerous. Mm. Is it, so is the, how do you prevent further injury for somebody who is trying to rehabilitate themselves? So that's why uh, people looking into horse-related activities. I mean, we're dealing with an animal with its own brain here, right? So I'm not going to tell you that you know it's 100% safe. Nothing bad ever happens. They're they're a large animal, but. We do have training with the disabilities and what to look for. And certain people, depending on their disability or the challenge, the more physical related, it's not safe for them to ride. So we do assessments with those people to make sure that what's going on is is safe for them. We usually get a a physician referral form as well. Um, But really, we put ourselves in a situation where I have a volunteer that will lead my horse for me if the person is not able to ride independently. I have two people that are called sidewalkers that walk on either side of the horse and can offer support uh, to that person, you know, help them maintain their balance if need be. And, of course, they have a riding helmet. We sometimes use a transfer belt, you know. So you put all of those things in place to make sure that the activity is safe. But definitely, it can't be for everybody. I mean, that's why some people are better doing the, the touch therapy and the grooming because maybe it's not safe for them to ride. And here's another thing. This is just a question about horses in general. Can you tell when a horse is grumpy for carrying a passenger? Yes. Yeah? What yes. Are they? They, they have body language. That's the neat thing about their communication is, you know, for instance, if a horse is uh, not happy, they'll often pin their ears. If you If you ever get a chance to be around horses in a herd and you watch them interacting with each other, um, you can kind of get a, a good idea when they're happy and when they're not. So obviously, you know, we try to match the person with a horse that's a good fit for them. Obviously, if I have someone that's loud and, you know, um, high energy, I'm not going to put them with one of the horses that would react negatively to that. So I bring out one of my horses that's really chill, right? Because <laughs> obviously there again, it's a safety issue, right? Sure. So I have to make sure that I'm choosing a horse out of the herd that's there, that's, that's uh, you know, and not all horses are suitable for therapy situations either. Well, that's a re- genuine, their, it's a genuine relationship, ab- right, absolutely. with rider and horse. Yeah, and so, I mean, you do, you know, having some horse experience, uh, you know, is obviously required because I've got to go, okay, uh, who's going to, what horse is going to fit best with this client? So, and, and certainly when they're riding, again, same thing. What horse is going to fit best with this client? Uh, Westwind Stables, an amazing facility you can do this all year round we can yeah we are completely heated closed indoors uh, which surprises a lot of people when they come uh, to visit Uh, the temperature usually stays about zero even if it's you know minus 40 outside so it's well insulated and it's a beautiful clean bright place and it's uh, everything is set up for people with disabilities so all of our doorways our bathrooms 
our parking lot, everything is is wheelchair accessible as well. Well, uh, what is the website, by the way? Do you have a website? Westwindstables.ca. Kelly Scrivener is a certified therapeutic riding instructor here in Winnipeg and brought Horse Sense to our attention to talk about this great program, equine therapy and activities for persons with disabilities, both physical and intellectual. It is 322. Traffic, weather, sports, all up next. 338. I guess I shouldn't become a weatherman. Have we made our forecast high? Not quite. Okay. But the sun is up longer. Uh-huh. The days are longer. And, yes. of course, now the cloud cover is going away. So perhaps we just might make it to six degrees. It was the forecast high after all. And Greg uh, boldly but, proclaimed, didn't say it wasn't going to happen, but he said, I don't think we're going to make it up to our forecast I'll be honest. High. I pushed it. I much pushed it. It was a, a harumph. A <laughs> harumph. Well, listen, Well, let's try to cheer you up here, or at okay. least cheer up some of our listeners, at least one lucky listener, because we got stuff to give away. So, this week, every day, we have two tickets to give away for the Rondex Rotorama Car Show, which is happening at the East End Arena in Transcona on Pandora, where the bike show was at the bike auction just this past weekend. So, the questions I've sort of... Ended up just deciding I'm going to go with things that have the word rod in them. Because there's something humorous about that word? No, or? just, just I, I, got, I got a few rod-related ideas. Yesterday was Ramrod, Car right. Ramrod from mm-hmm. Super Troopers. Great movie. So today, it's super simple. Jeff Forte told me, come on! That's way too easy. But that's okay. You're fe- feeling charitable today, are you? Yeah. and Well, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Today's question... On The Simpsons, there is a character named Rod. What is Rod's brother's name? 204-780-6868 is the number to call. What's Rod's brother's name on The Simpsons? See, fairly easy enough. Except for the fact that, that unless you had said the fact that, that he has a brother, mm-hmm. I had no idea who you were talking about. Yeah. Until you mentioned the brother, I was like... I think this is tougher than you think. Okay, well, we'll find out shortly at 204-780-6868. Whoever can correctly answer the question is going to go to the Rondex Rotorama Car Show this weekend at the East End Arena. While we are waiting for a winner, we got a number of text messages on a whole bunch of different topics today. And one of them that I wanted to read made me laugh. We were talking about Great West Life announcing today that they are cutting 450 jobs. We talked about how Manitoba Hydro needs to cut 900 jobs. It's a serious discussion, but sometimes out of serious discussions come some lighthearted humor. Chris has found that. He says, I know the last segment is over. You guys are done from this, but I know that I have job security. I work in a pharmaceutical warehouse. The amount of Viagra we go through is crazy. And the demand is only going up. The baby boomers are keeping me busy. Thanks to all. Chris, thanks to you for sharing that. I like it. That's 680 CJOB. <laughs> Another one a little bit more serious at 204-780-6868. Uh, the, and the, the, the text message says it starts with also. So I'm thinking there's a first message that I have missed here. But it says, at my company, I watched engineers... 
throw away about $2 million down the drain and nobody says nothing. We need undercover shareholders. Layoffs are due to bad management. That's interesting. And I think that that's probably a sentiment shared by a lot of people at many companies where they see management doing dumb things and then who ends up losing jobs? Often it is the frontline workers who are the first to go when the company needs to make a change. So just it's a, a, we appreciate the feedback that you've been providing us at 204-780-6868. Your honesty helps to fuel our discussions. Let's hold our collective breath and pray that the CEO of Great West Life gets an excessively generous bonus, maybe even a raise. Based on this news today, a little sarcasm there. And don't uh, don't think for a minute there aren't a lot of people having that same thought. Uh, the news story about Great West Life said they would be laying off. They would be hiring people that have the appropriate training too. I take that to mean that they're getting rid of the long-term staff and hire recent grads at lower pay, just my opinion. I think that part of the story uh, where they're going to follow through on plans to hire 200 people, that's more in terms of uh, new media and uh, technological jobs that those hires uh, will still go through, those planned hires will still go through. And we had a, someone else made a comment about Listen, it's, it sucks when people lose their jobs, but this is the way of things. Sometimes things are either cyclical or just they things evolve, economies shift, and there will always be people who lose jobs just as there will always be jobs that are created. And I know, Greg, we've had discussions on more than one occasion about jobs that young people are going to be training for right now and jobs that will be that will exist 10 years down the road i think that as long as people have wild imaginations who knows what sort of jobs will exist the problem is will people be able to keep up with in the meantime yeah like what happens when i turn 60 and i need to you know, can well, I, this old dog learn a new trick? Right, because we're living longer. We know that we're going to have to work later. And with the shifting economy, we've cited the statistic many times on this program in our, our discussions on technology and entrepreneurship. The fact that 60, the, the estimate is that 60% of the jobs that kids that are in school right now, whether it be in elementary or junior high school, are going to be doing jobs that don't exist today. Mm-hmm. So obviously uh, this highlights the fact that there's a, a change in the economy. Uh, here's a text as well. It says, just to let you know that Ace Canada slash Rona bought uh, BT Lowe's head office and warehouse. That closed permanently. 300 people lost their jobs there. I actually knew about that several weeks ago and I was surprised that that didn't make bigger waves in the off or in the, uh, in the media here in Winnipeg. 300 is a lot of jobs in a community our size. We have a winner for Rotorama, the Rondex Rotorama car show happening this weekend at East End Arena. And today's question, what, well, how many, was it the first caller through, Jeff, who knew? The first caller through had the answer. <laughs> ah, who's our softball today for fans of The Simpsons? What is Rod's brother's name? It's Rod and Todd. Where's my cigarettes? We flushed your sin sticks down to hell. Smokers are jokers. Smokers, Smokers are, are jokers. jokers. <laughs> the Flanders boys. <laughs> 
Rod and Todd, thank you so much. And congratulations to Jonathan Donay, who was able to answer that question. We have more Rotorama Car Show tickets to give away tomorrow and the next day, and maybe even Friday as well on 680 CJOB. What did they call cigarettes? Sin sticks. We flushed your sin sticks down to hell. Traffic and weather together is coming up next. Was that Adriana's first forecast on Mackling and McGarry? Uh, I re- well, we had her a couple of times during the news, maybe during the actual yeah this part. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of an auspicious start for Adriana. Auspicious. There's a word that doesn't get used all that much. Well done. Did I use it correctly? I think <laughs> that's, so. That's the that's the the million dollar question. I enjoy I? it when you invent words. <laughs> it's quite good. Well, I, and then occasionally I'll look in the Urban Dictionary and I go, oh, exactly. <laughs> it actually is a word. Well, <laughs> or sort of <laughs> variation. Yeah. Uh, big news uh, for our city. Four hundred and fifty jobs at Great mm-hmm. West Life. This has to be coming as a great surprise to a lot of people as I mean, Richard, is it accurate to call great West life? One of the most profitable companies long-term in, in, in Canada. Well, certainly it is, but like anything else, jobs are changing. And part of this story is the fact that, uh, as the job and the workforce changes, so do our larger companies. So Paul Mann has to deal with, the CEO of Great West Life, the changing environment in the financial services industry. And uh, that means a lot of its backroom functions either get eliminated or farmed out to other companies. Uh, And this is a symptom of uh, the growing issues surrounding uh, the restructuring of the job market. Uh, After the 4.30 news, a couple of perspectives on this, what this will mean to the Winnipeg economy because these are high-paying jobs and ultimately... If you're in that situation, what do you do if you're a 30, 40, or 50-something employee suddenly looking for a new job? But this represents about 13% of its workforce, so very sizable announcement today. Usually, I'm the newsroom mom, but in this this case... You sure you don't mean boss? Wow. (laughs) I, I chose the word mom because I thought I was firm but fair but um, there is a, a new... See, McGarry, now I'm going to suffer for the next three hours. <laughs> three hours and nine minutes actually yeah, to be exact. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. But there's a new mommy that got created today at a local school and this is I'd like to put you all through this just to see what it's like. It's a great story. Like to mummify us, hey? Mm, a lot of fun. Yeah, right, that's I think fine. I probably this would. This is a grade two, three, three teacher. Grade, yep. She teaches grade two, grade three and uh, she got to mummify the vice this principal, principal today. I'm sure the kids absolutely loved We'll talk that. to both of them coming I up. love uh, dedicated educators. We also launch a small business entrepreneurial uh, feature. This is a monthly feature on the news. And today we tell you the story of a woman that is a farmer and decided that she's going to take that milk and make ice cream. And this is now a product that has made its way into stores here in Winnipeg, into Saskatchewan, and now Toronto is coming to call. So we'll tell her story uh, just after 4.15 this afternoon. And Mr. McGarry, I expect to see you in the uh, booth at 5.47-ish to deliver the new releases. Yes. Be on time. Yes, ma'am. All right. (laughs) You mean yes, mom? (laughs) No, I don't. Yes, boss. (laughs) Hey, she always calls herself the A-type personality. She likes to she likes to control. 
What? I called you mom? <laughs> I know you did. I was the polite one today. I know you were. Goodbye, Julie. So noted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Richard Cloutier. Richard Richard. Richard. Oh, I was going to hang out with you guys. Oh, he's... he's it's a blast. He's afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rich. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, so... The mummy, there are losses, there are gain. Mm-hmm. We were hoping to speak with uh, the teacher from Bernie Wolf on the mummy thing. That did not end up happening. I guess but we know why now. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, my shot wasn't entirely unwarranted. Yeah, exactly. They're like grave robbers. They're thieves. They are grave They're thieves. <laughs> I'm just, they're filthy little thieves. We got a text at 204-780-6868, by the way, uh, from Mike, just who says, hey, guys, uh, LMAF, jokers are smokers. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Mike enjoyed the, the Rod and Todd clip. So, it's the, you see, sometimes the easy questions are the best ones, because if it can question. make people smile, Without question. then our job has been done, and I would like to think done well. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Jeff Forte is in Master Control, and thank you for listening to Mackling and McGarry. Richard Cloutier, Julie Buckingham have the news coming up next. And then Charles Adler tonight. Don't forget, 9 until midnight. Bye-bye.